Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Today, our lovely guest is Vernetta Freeney. She's an entrepreneur, a teacher, a doer extraordinaire. Uh, now she's here to tell us about her story and her misadventures. Um, Vernetta, if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, just give us a bit of your background and your experience. Yes. So my name is Vernetta Freeney and I go by paid event blogger, emphasis on the paid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was an ESL, which is English as second language teacher uh, for 11 years. I did that in public school, adult education, private. Um, So I, I did it in so many different capacities, even the college level. And about 2011, when I was leaving the public school, I got back into blogging and I wanted to do it professionally. I knew things were changing in social media. It wasn't much out there. (laughs) People weren't posting, making a whole lot of money, but I knew it was a new and up and coming industry. And I wanted to um, be part of it. I love to write, I love to journal. So it just made sense. So I did a little bit of research going to the public library. Yes, the library still is beneficial. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. We pull books, actually, Um, because, again, there wasn't a whole lot online. So we pulled some books, and I read, and September 17th, I was in the middle of 31 Days to Reset Your Life Challenge by Rosetta Thurman, and that's when I started um, my second blog, which is Women Are Game Changers. So that's kind of how I got started, but a little bit about myself. I am a chocolate lover, a Dallas Mavericks fan. I love naps and Netflix, um, and I'm pretty much an outspoken introvert. The irony of that, yes. I like to keep to myself, but I am very outspoken when it comes to things that I'm passionate about. And that is really a good thing. You know, you get, you'll be quiet, but once you get started, you you get started. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, tell me a little bit about your experience as, you know, you called it a chocolate lover, book snob, nap queen is, yeah. (laughs) Like what made you, um, fall in love with books even before that experience with the library? I've always been a reader. Um, My mom was in a book club growing up, so I was so used to books always being around and her friends coming over, we going over to her friend's house and they discussed the book. Um, And she made us read, you know, and we didn't see it as punishment. You know how some kids, your parents make you do something, you see it as punishment. We enjoyed it. Um, and then I'm a competitor. So when you get to like middle school, you can start earning points and different things, how many books you read. I don't know if they still have the academic accelerator reading program um, <laughs> in school, but I came, I come from a very small town. And so if we read X amount of books, X amount of points for the year, they would take us to 
what was called wet and wild, but now it's called Hurricane Harbor. So it was a water park. Um, and we're like in the small town. So to get on the bus and go to Dallas, you know, and spend the day at a water park, everybody read. So <laughs> I, I would so, do the same. Yeah. So you just got used to reading because you wanted to go to the water park in May. But I ended up really, really liking it. It gave me a way to escape. Um, I'm a very imaginative person. So it just gave me more things to um, think about and, and to expand my thinking and expand my reach. Because again, I'm from a town when I was there, it was about 2,300 people. You know, it was probably more cows than people. <laughs> so books were, were a great way to just escape. Nice. And I, I'm also an avid reader. I love to listen to books. I recently started listening to books before I used to hate audiobooks, But now that I, when I listen to books um, read by the author and more so of like personal journeys, uh, I would call them instead of just like, here's how you do something or here's like a random story. But if it's like a person sharing their journey, um, you know, I loved um, Michelle Obama's book. Um, Tiffany Haddish, Charlemagne the God. So those books where people tell their stories, key. I love, love, love those. Um, and, I, and I am a sucker for a paperback <laughs> or a hardcover. <laughs> I prefer, like, I'll read, so my, if I was to classify, it'd be definitely paperback and hardcover first, audiobook second, and then if I have to, I will read an ebook. Oh, wow. I, okay. What so about I you? definitely, definitely have to hold the book. It's funny. I have a book in my purse right now. I always um, got I, one too, girl. <laughs> I cannot leave anywhere without a book. Audiobook would have to be last because I fall asleep on every single audiobook, but I can listen to a podcast, which is so weird because I'm like, it's somewhat the same thing, but I cannot stay awake during an audiobook. I fall asleep every single time. So it has to be like, the last option for me. <laughs> I used to be the same with audiobooks and I thought I was like maybe it's just not for me and it wasn't until like I said started listening to books that were by the author and it felt more like a conversation the vibe that I get from like a podcast where it's like you know this is a, or even just feel like I'm talking to this person they're sitting down I said hey tell me your story and they just started talking to me that's the feeling I get because there's so much more emotion um, that I've experienced in the in the audiobooks that I've listened to um so that's that that's literally the only topic I can listen to if it's about like a business <laughs> audiobook I'm like uh, no yeah can't do it fiction nope <laughs> yep awesome awesome so now I want to talk about your experience as a blogger like what got you um started like what was your first first experience on that my very first blog that I started, I still remember the name. It was prayingforpurpose.blogspot.com. Wow. And I started, I know, right? <laughs> I started it in 2009. Um, I just came across this thing called a blog and I was like, ooh, what's this? And then I found out you can have one. And I said, okay, I'm not a technical person. So I was so happy. All I had to do was literally like create my little Google account and, um, start writing like no tech whatsoever and so i i started that blog to vent about my teaching job at the time <laughs> it was like my little outlet um i think it was maybe the second or third post i emailed it to some 
coworkers and it just got around because um, that blog post, I literally went into detail about what was happening on the campus, how I felt um, my students were being discriminated against because they were darker black than my biracial students. And so um, I never mentioned the school. I didn't even mention the city. Like my name, like it was totally an anonymous blog. But of course people knew it was me because I emailed it to other people. But um, that's when I realized how powerful blogs were because it got all the way up to the superintendent. Um, so I knew a lot of people were reading it. it. It became a topic of discussion about how students were being treated and different things like that. So that was my first experience with the blog. Um, oh, about March 2009. Um, and so that's when I realized like, oh, this is, you know, a very interesting, powerful tool. I mean, people I hadn't talked to in high school in years found the blog and read it and were leaving me messages. Um, and then I started grad school, so I had to put it away. <laughs> yeah, but that, that is definitely powerful. The fact that, you know, you were just venting, sharing, and like, that's the power of the internet, y'all. You know, uh, you might start something that you think is just one little drop, but it makes all these ripples and waves across the world. Um, even if, not even if it's not across the whole entire world, in your communities, in your scope of reference, and then people are reading it and you don't even... No, I've had that experience too when somebody would come up to me like, hey, I like that article. I'm like, when did you read it? I didn't even know, I know you right? were following along <laughs> to this thing that I'm doing, this little thing. And they're like, oh, that was inspiration, inspirational. And I learned a lot. I'm like, from me? You sure? You read the right thing? Um, so it's really, really um, insightful to see that. And then when did you start monetizing your blogs? Um, so when I came back in 2011, after leaving the district, um that was the second blog I started women are game changers and I started that blog with the intention to monetize and within six weeks um I received my first paid opportunity to cover an event so with the second blog it was six weeks um into the blog when I received my first paid opportunity wow that is quick but it was it from the fact that people already kind of knew who you were and saw the work that you were doing? No, it was solely, and this is what I tell people a lot, it was solely because this um, website in the DC area, they were looking for someone in Houston to write about an event that they could not send a person to. And I had Houston, Texas in my Twitter bio as where I live. And they said, you're the only person we know in Houston. Um, do you <laughs> mind going to the event? and we'll pay you for it. And the funny thing was, I was already part of that event's bloggers. Um, but with them, they weren't paying us. They were just giving us access to come in. So I literally was there for two different um, entities. But yeah, it was solely because I had Houston, Texas in my Twitter bio. And that's how they found me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Literally, <Yes>. that's like, <laughs> that simple, is a real, right? right? <laughs> yeah, it's so simple, y'all. Listen, sometimes simple is best for those out there listening. Sometimes simple is literally the best. I'm still like shocked, like, wow. Um, I know. And, and people are just sitting there try now trying to build these huge communities. And I'm like, you, all you really have to do is just position yourself mm -hmm. as this is what you do or offer. And this is where you are. 
still, when I'm even looking for bloggers to hire for clients, I have to like dig deep to find out what city they're in to even see if they're eligible for me to, you know, email and say, hey, I'm interested, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why do you make it so hard for people to want to pay you? <laughs> I guess, I guess in certain cases, people are just scared, like, oh, you know, I don't want to make it feel like I'm just tied down to this one city. So it's like a pro and con, but I think a lot of times nowadays people make finding information about themselves a little too hard. Um, it's like, you know, what's your email? There's no contact button on your website. Like, how am I supposed to reach out to you? Your, your, your bio says no DMs. I don't see no other way to contact you. What's going on? So I think, you know, just having that information out there that's in, in, in chunks that way for folks like Renetta that might be looking for you or other companies could find you and contact you and get a reliable way to reach out to you. So that way you, they can af- offer you those opportunities. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit now into your misadventure. So you started telling me the story about when you hired the business coach. Um, if we could touch upon that story or just any other story that you've had about, you know, something crazy that happened while you were on your entrepreneurial journey. Oh Lord. I mean, I could, <laughs> we could be here for years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that one. Um, I had hired this coach. I signed up for the programs that this coach had. Um, I went to a retreat with this coach. And what made me realize that this coach wasn't the right person for me, um, we were at the retreat and everyone was talking and then someone asked me about speaking. And this was like in 2012, I believe. And I, you know, had not started speaking. It was something I was interested in. And I found this um, person online that was holding a speaker's conference. And so I was like, okay, you know, this person says they make money from it. Um, This person's been on TV. Everyone seems to know this person as a speaker. So I'm going to go to um, Atlanta and learn from this person. The coach overheard that and was like, well, why didn't you hire me to teach you to speak? And I just looked at the coach because I'm like, I'm here because you said you know how to do, um, how to help people when they're starting their business. That's why I'm paying you for this retreat. And so the coach got really upset that I was not giving I think I was paying like $2,500 for the conference. It was like a three, four day um, conference to this coach. And I'm like, you don't even get paid to speak, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, why would I give you money? And you have a full time job. Like this person makes the same amount speaking that you make on your job because this person had a six figure job. And so in my mind, I'm like, why would I pay you for something you're not doing? Um, and so that was the start of, it felt like the, the coach was competing against me. And, um, a couple of months later, I said, I was going to take an event that I had on tour. She called me about like six in the morning and was like, do you trust me? And I'm like, first of all, anyone who calls me before the sun is up, I do not trust. Like, do not (laughs) wake me, (laughs) like, do not wake me up out of my sleep. And um, I was told I wasn't ready for a tour because I was too young. Um, I was still in my 20s. I was like, um, 
I already have the cities lined up. The hosts are on board. They're not even taking money because they wanted to come to their city that bad. And they even, most of them found spaces where I didn't even have to pay. Like it was, I was like, it's something I can afford to do. <laughs> and um, not even two months later, something very similar to what I was doing that coach created. Wow. And someone told me, they were like, she just wanted to be first. And I'm like, first of what? Like my event is completely different from, from that event. And then um, some programs that I've created over the years, I noticed that that coach had the same program and slightly changed the name from what I had it. And so that went on for about two to three years. And finally, other people started noticing. They were like, that, that person is really stealing everything you do, like copying every single thing you put out. I was like, I, I kept telling people that. <laughs> and, no, and I couldn't sue um, because there wasn't tangible intellectual property, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it was just like titles to, to programs and because I didn't know what was inside of that program. So it just, it was annoying. It was one of those annoying things that you just had to put up with. And then I realized this person was on my newsletter. That's how they were getting the information because I would always announce there what I was doing. So then that I blocked sick. that person from oh the newsletter. God. Yes, it, my sister was even like, this is beyond crazy. <laughs> yeah, she was guys, like, everything you ideas, do. Y'all. <laughs> And then you hear paying her, you done paid her, what, 20? It's like you paid her and then gave her extra, um, and then she well, took, like, extra money to... Yes, I had paid her for a retreat, a coaching yeah. program, like, all this stuff. And then um, I I even, even though I paid for the coaching program, I stopped it after that phone call at 6 in the morning. Because don't call me at 6 in the morning trying to start some mess. <laughs> and I just felt like if I'm your student or, you know, you should be happy because now I'm doing something and you could tell people you, you helped me do it. That's exactly. what I thought coaches like were supposed to. Yeah. Testimonial, not like. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what I thought. I'm like, why aren't you happy for me? Like I could tell other people like, Hey, I learned this in, in the coaching program, which I didn't, but you know, I would have because I'm paying you. So I'm assuming that something's going to help me but yeah it was it was the craziest thing I was just and come to find out several other people um have contacted me and they were like the same thing happened to me the same thing happened to me I was just like wow yeah this lady is too much now yeah and and this person is a million dollar coach now stealing other people's ideas stealing her clients ideas and because we couldn't um prove it because she was more popular well people were able to see with me because I'm vocal remember I said I'm opinion (laughs) (laughs) so I made it very clear but um there wasn't and I you know I talked to several attorneys there wasn't anything we could do literally we just watched this person take everything we all created and build a multi-seven figure business that is ridiculous um that is also unfortunate and i'm really sad that happened and for folks out there that are listening you know be conscious and pay attention to the signs if you feel something's not right or you know you keep seeing the same thing over and over even if it's someone that you're supposed to trust or someone that's supposed to be a confidant and like a supportive person in your corner 
sometimes people don't want to be supportive like they just want to take and take 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 from you so be mindful that there are people like that out there but also be mindful that there are people that genuinely want to help and it's your duty to kind of figure out and recognize the difference right be able to quick quickly Mm -hmm. pick up on are you really trying to help me or are you really trying to hurt me and knowing that difference the sooner you know that difference the more impactful you can be for um, your business for yourself for everyone around you so thank you so so much for sharing that um we're coming to the end of our time here but i wanted to talk to you about um you know your inspirations right mm-hmm. back at the beginning of your journey what inspired you to to take this leap of faith as an entrepreneur um in in all your different fields of work as an ESL teacher like what made you keep going or just even get started in in general well um the inspiration to get started was I was unemployed (laughs) Um, um in 2011 it was like a budget crisis in education a lot of teachers got cut school districts were other school districts who needed teachers could only take so much um so I just could not find another teaching job and I'm like I had a mortgage I had responsibility I was taking care of other family members and I just had um I had no other option I had no other option but to figure out how to make money and a friend of mine she was like, well, why don't you just start blogging so it gives you something to do until you're able to find another job? Because I kept calling everybody during the day because I'm like, I'm putting in 100 applications and nothing's happening, so I need someone to talk to. But they all had jobs. Um, so the inspiration to start was I needed money to be able to um, pay my bills. And so I got a lot of flack from other bloggers um, when they found out that was the reason I started blogging, because according to them, I should have done it because I was passionate about it. Um, I'm like, okay, I mean, I do like blogging, or I wouldn't have been doing it over seven and a half years. But I also knew that it's an industry I could get paid um, to continue doing it. I actually do like blogging. <laughs> so I remember why I blog. I blog because it's my way to communicate with other people. I'm um, I'm a better writer than I am someone who can have a conversation, you know, unless mm-hmm. it's one-on-one. Like mm-hmm. big groups overwhelm me. So if I want to talk to a large amount of people, for me, that's putting it into words and writing a blog post. Um, and so that's what keeps me inspired and motivated because I know people read it. I get the messages. I get the emails. But I also know it's something I enjoy. I love to write. And for people to like the words that I put together, um, it's just icing on the cake. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, you you made it clear to people, like you didn't like fake your story because some you know after getting that flack from other bloggers saying that you should have just been passionate about it like that's unfair for them to say because at the end of the day it is an industry and you clearly grew a love for it sometimes that passion doesn't just start at that point and so for them to kind of call you out on that that's unfair and but it didn't let you stop or you didn't say it start making up a story like oh yeah I did you know one day I just realized that I love to to write about this and so my passion was and I you know that's that natural starving artist story 
um, you stay true to your story because a lot of people will. I have seen instances where people change their stories to kind of fit a narrative that is more pleasing, acceptable, mm-hmm. acceptable, easy to understand or to resonate with, but that's not fair to themselves. And that causes more harm, I feel, in the long term versus just saying, hey, this is what I did. Take it or leave it. Like it or hate it. I'm not up to your discussion or your approval. Yeah. And, and I mean, even for the listeners, you have to think about it. No one can tell your story better than you can. No one knows the reasons why your story is the way or the decisions you make. You know, people can form their own opinion. They can judge. They can try to shame or embarrass you or guilt you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be strong in, in the decisions that you make. Um, because guess what? A lot of those same people who did it for the passion are now trying to get paid or they want to get paid or, you know, and so I understand they did it because they have full-time jobs at that time when we all started. I did not. So I knew I was a good writer, um, but I wasn't a journalist. And when I got paid six weeks in, I was like, oh, shoot, I got paid. So, yeah, I can do this, you know. <laughs> now, maybe if it took six months, I may have thought about, like, oh, this may not work. But because, <laughs> because the opportunity came so quickly, it showed me that I do have a skill and, and people will pay for that. And mm-hmm. so for me, I sell my skills. I don't sell my passion. Um, even though I love, I love writing, I love blogging. Um, to me, I'm not selling that. I'm selling whatever message you want me to get to my, to my audience. I'm not selling my writing. Um, I know it may not make sense to other people, but that's how I see it. I'm, I'm selling a service and, you know, that is helping people connect to your event and it just so happens to be through something I really really enjoy doing nice awesome that is really amazing um we're coming to the end of our interview today and I want to ask you a final question I usually ask all of my guests is what would you leave as some form of inspiration for entrepreneurs that are either getting started or have been in their journey for a while and they feel stuck just something that you know maybe a mantra or some type of lesson that you've learned throughout your journey that kept you going or just inspired you to do more or do differently or think differently would you like to leave with our listeners today Um, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to tell your listeners, it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of people feel that if they cry or they get frustrated or annoyed along the journey, then that's somehow saying that they're giving up or they have a defeatist attitude. It's okay to, you know, feel the, the weight and the pressure of the responsibilities that you have in life. The thing is, after you finish crying, what decision are you going to make? Are you going to continue moving forward, knowing you're going to have more obstacles coming? Or are you going to just stop and go back to whatever it is you were doing before you started your business? Um, I cry all the time. (laughs) You can ask people. But the thing is, I've accomplished a lot more than other people because I continue moving um, forward. Yes. And I love that. And I think a lot of people are scared to cry. They feel like they're not allowed to um, be emotional or feel anything, right? They're just like, they have to be robots almost to to this um, 
feeling or they have to just hide it right it's like oh I'm, I'm feeling hurt i'm feeling sad i'm feeling distraught but i have to hide it now but you're human and, exactly. and that's the thing like your business is an entity your business is is a thing you know going back to my teacher days now <laughs> you know person place thing you are a person you have feelings you you should be allowed to express them um but after you express them you have to be okay with the consequences that comes with expressing them and then you have to make a decision after you express them exactly thank you so so much for um joining me today Vernetta, and look forward to having your interview up guys her information will be in the <laughs> caption section so if you want to figure out how to contact her how to hire her to give her all those coins um it'll be down below thank you so much for having me you're very welcome thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of doing the most catch us here next week same time same place if you can't wait head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected until next time keep on doing